This episode of the Breakthrough Success Podcast is brought to you by Jobber. Jobber is your business's command center. The easy-to-use app powers your sales, operations, and customer service all in one place. Go check them out at getjobber.com slash breakthrough to receive 20% off your first six months. Real estate is a valuable investment vehicle. You have leverage, which allows your dollar to go far beyond what it normally is. And you have the ability to generate cash flow from your properties and build up wealth over time. We are joined by a guest who owns 3,500 rental units, and he's the leader of the Hui Deal Pipeline Club, which has acquired over $255 million of real estate by syndicating over $25 million of private equity since 2016. Our guest uses his engineering degree to reverse engineer the wealth building strategies that the rich use, and he goes into detail on this in his top 50 investing podcast, Simple Passive Cash Flow. Our guest who joins us is none other than Lane Kawaoka. Lane, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me, Mark. Appreciate it. Lane, it's a pleasure to have you on Breakthrough Success, and real estate is something that so many people want to get into, and you've done a variety of deals to reach 3,500 units, and I'm wondering if you could share with us what are some of the numbers you look at in a deal, because I feel like so many investors, they just do emotional, and they don't really crunch the numbers, so I'm wondering what goes into that. Right. So we buy properties that cash flow. So the income it brings in, which is the rents, exceed the expenses, the mortgage, and, and everything else that can kind of come up as unexpected expense. So one of the first things that we can start off with here is the rent-to-value ratio. So and again, we don't buy for really appreciation. We buy for cash flow, and we don't do any of that wholesaling, flipping stuff, which is... I call that more active type of real estate activities. We're more buy and hold investors. So we're looking for rental properties with a rent-to-value ratio of 1% or higher. So how do you calculate the rent-to-value ratio? We take the monthly rent and divide that by the purchase price. So a lot of us in um, primary markets where we don't buy rental properties at, um, you, know, you might have a $500,000 property that rents for 2500 a month. So 2500 divided by 500,000, that's half a percent. That ain't going to work. We need 1% or higher. So what we're looking for is what we typically, you know, have new investors go after are these properties at maybe $100,000 that rent for $1,000. So 1000 divided by 100,000 is 1%. Mm. So that's kind of the it's kind of set the basis here. That's what we looking we're, we're looking for. And it's a simple formula where you just plug in those numbers and then you get 1% and it's really valuable as an investor to set different criteria such as the rent to value ratio and location also being another vital factor. I'm wondering if you could share with us a little bit of what makes up your criteria. Is it just rent to value or is there a little more to it? Yeah, the numbers first, right? I mean, if it doesn't hit the numbers, it doesn't have a chance to cash flow. I don't even look at it even further. But, you know, that's kind of the first slicer, first search criteria. 
Next is we're trying to find properties that are in a little bit better area than the property class. So let's define property class and neighborhood class. Uh, we grade them in A, B, and C, and even D and F. So A class are your kind of your nice areas. Um, and these are probably the places we all like to live in, right? The, the kind of yuppie-ish areas where you've got you know, your, uh, your dog dishes on the ground, people can jog around in the evenings. Um, you're not going to find the rent-to-value ratios in these areas. It's not going to work, guys. <laughs> um, now, let's go to the B class, which is a mix of blue-collar and white-collar uh, workers. A lot of these guys, the median income here might be in the $50,000 to $100,000 range. And we try and buy in this type of area and also some C-class um, neighborhoods, which mostly blue-collar guys making you know thirty to 75000 a year. Probably isn't the safest place to be during the daytime. I wouldn't be out there at nighttime, personally. Mm -hmm. um, and then there's some war zone properties that are called D and F, where you know, I don't go. I wouldn't even go anywhere. So we try and find the B and C class um, property types. And is there a, like a resource you use to find them? Because I know Realtor is a place that is just one of those places that you list homes. Is there a tool you use to find what class of property is in? It's just kind of a, a feel, right? I mean, it's you know, like what, what do you call for people who are sports fans? What do you call an A prospect, a B prospect? It's just kind of a feel. Mm -hmm. um, generally, you know, Brokers or real estate agents, you know, don't trust them, right? Like, you always, whatever they say it is, downgraded a, a one letter. It's kind of a rule of thumb or at least a half. Um, but, yeah, I mean, that's, that's pretty much the gist of it. I mean, if, if, you know, a bunch of guys like us, a couple of dudes, you know, probably don't want to hang out there during the nighttime, that's probably a C-class. Mm -hmm. um, if we're kind of okay out there during the daytime, might be a B-class, you know, that's, and it's interesting how even with technology there is still this go to the place get a feel for it and then you'll be able to know what class the property should be in whether it's a b class a c class or uh, another class and right do you given that you have all these properties and a lot more to manage than when you were first starting out do you still see a value in going to the location first, considering you, you have all the properties and the units already? Do you still go to each location beforehand? I mean, now, because I'm picking up, you know, 100 to 300 units at a time, yeah, I'll definitely take a trip out there. <laughs> <laughs> but when you're starting out, right, you're buying one-off property, it may not even be worth the trip out there um again i started out in seattle where i live you're not going to find any good properties to buy out there nor in california or new york you're looking more for a secondary type of market or tertiary market so none of the cool places so nothing in california nothing in hawaii nothing in seattle nothing in portland you know nothing in new york boston those are all primary markets you're trying to find our secondary markets like birmingham atlanta indianapolis Kansas city little rock you know, not the coolest places to live, right? But, um, you know, you're going to find the rental value ratios out there in B and C class areas um, that are good, solid value properties to be able to cash flow. So initially, you know, I bought properties sight unseen because it wasn't worth it for me to fly out from 
Seattle to Birmingham to go take a look at a property that costed 80 grand, right? Um, and that's where you kind of rely on your property managers and your brokers that you want to do repeat business with that. So you, know, you find people that you trust and um, you know, you're essentially in the beginning, you're buying commodities, right? You're buying income streams and that's where you have a property manager kind of go out and help you out and you get a property inspector to make sure you're not buying a lemon. And especially when it comes to a remote setup, online makes it easier. You have LinkedIn where a lot of these people are, but how do you build up that team of property manager, real estate agent, inspector who you can trust, but they're remote. So such as in your example, where you're from Seattle and you have someone in Birmingham or a team doing the work to tell you this is the right property or not. Right. And it's really misleading. Cause like, you know, just like, like lenders or property managers, if you're going to call up the bigger, the big um, real estate firm in town, you're probably going to get the person who can't sell houses. Probably don't want them to be a property manager. So the way I suggest is, you know, this is a relationship game, you know, real estate's, it's very simple, right? All this is very simple. And that's what's kind of nice about it. It doesn't give the advantage to the super smart guy, but the guy who can go in and build relationships with people and build rapport. And a lot of it is just finding other passive investors to network with, which is why I've created kind of my, my weed network, right? Other passive investors helping other passive investors with referrals and just kind of working with people who have, you know, done well for us in the past. And real estate, you definitely want to have the relationships and with other investing. I mean, when it comes to real estate for cash flow, there's a common conversation between real estate investing versus dividend stocks. And I know you've done a lot of real estate, so I'm sure real estate is your preference. I'm wondering if you share if that's your thoughts between the two real estate versus dividend investing. I mean, I'm, I got out of the stock market a long time ago. Um, to me, it's just an atmosphere where, you know, why are these Wall Street firms have such nice buildings and it seems to be such high salaries? Well, they're basically making all this money off of these hidden fees that us investors never see. And I don't like how stock prices get manipulated all the time. I, I want something where I control and I kind of see the direct um, profit and loss. Um, and unfortunately, I think that's what's messed up with all the 401k stuff uh, and mutual funds. You know, they, all these fees, hidden fees get taken away from hardworking Americans that have to work 40 years at their job where, look, if you just buy, you know, save up 30 grand a year and you buy one rental property a year, after a while you're buying two every year and you'll have a portfolio of like 20 properties in five to 10 years if you're able to save some pretty good money throughout the timeline and that's your retirement. You're done. <laughs> And I love how it's a very basic goal where we're talking like Lane has 3,500 units, but you don't need that many units to hit your income goal. For some people, you want to have that many units, but for a lot of people, you just need a few rental units. So you do one a year, you get, the cash, you get enough cash flow to sometimes do two a year or even three a year but you only need a certain number and it's going to be different for each person to make more money through real estate than through your job. And it's very important for people to think about what kind of future they want to create through their investments. 
Right, right. And initially when I was, you know, building my portfolio where I owned my properties, um, you, know, you, you kind of got to start out doing it by yourself. But for higher net worth, Mark, what we call it accredited investors, you know, the, the formula is to go into multiple private placements, right? Syndications that acquire large apartment buildings. So you're diversified over multiple deals, multiple geographic areas, multiple type of deals. And the beauty of those as a passive investor, you don't have to do anything. You just put your money in and you shut up and you go to sleep and you cash your checks. <laughs> and I'm wondering what inspired you to go from rental properties, just getting a few here and there and building up to the apartment complexes. Like why did you take that next step? Yeah. So I, I don't know if I mentioned before, but I use property managers from the get go, right? Like if you can't pay a property manager 10% of the rents, you're, you're doing it wrong. You're find the wrong property that doesn't cash flow. So I've always used property managers to kind of do my dirty work for me and uh, be on the front lines so that I can, you know, live here in Hawaii and not have to deal with all that stuff. Um, but I got up to 11 rental properties back in 2014 and 15. And yeah, I had a, I had a property manager deal with all the, the problems and headaches, but with that many properties, I, I still had like an eviction every six months or so and some kind of big catastrophe that happened every few months, which wasn't that bad because a lot of it's just like, you know, managing them, keeping them accountable, doing some emails here and there. But with each rental property only giving me a few hundred bucks to cash flow a month, time is 11. You know, I, I needed more than $3,000 mm -hmm. of passive cash flow to live, right? I mean, who doesn't? So I realized that a more scalable way of investing was investing in these private placements and syndications, which typically only open up to more accredited investors uh, once your network gets to be half a million, a million and above. And, but then I kind of cracked the code on the scalability issue. And that was kind of my, my movement into the more the multifamily and then now getting into mobile home parks and then different asset classes that investors will invest in to get diversification. We have more great content coming up in this episode, but first we have a message from today's sponsor, Jobber. Jobber's award-winning software helps small home service businesses organize their entire operations from scheduling jobs and managing their crews to invoicing customers and collecting payments. That way, you can spend more time on the services you're already great at. Job by job, business by business, Jobber is transforming the ways their customers deliver service. Start your free trial over at getjobber.com slash breakthrough. All right, let's get right back into the episode. And just having a property manager, especially if you're going to go really deep and buy a whole bunch of properties, you don't want to be on the phone too often unless it's with a property manager because you can reach out to those people and they do most of the heavy lifting for you. And it is worth the money to do that delegation because then you can go into more real estate. But as the long term goes, based on Lane's story, getting into the apartment complexes instead of having one to 300 rental units spread throughout the country, you have them all in one location, which also makes it easier to keep everything going smoothly. I'm wondering if we would go a little bit back into the beginning of your journey and just how you started to build up on those initial rental properties, some of the mistakes you made, lessons learned, and more on the beginning part of the story. 
Yeah, I mean, the first uh, few units were in Seattle, like I said. The numbers didn't make sense on, on them. Um, they were well be below the even 0.7% rent-to-value ratio. Um, then I learned about the secondary and tertiary markets that you know produce 1% rent-to-value rent or higher, that cash flow a lot better. And once I started to get um, ingrained in those markets, build my contacts, you know, things kind of really took off. But, um, you know, it starts with that first rental property, right? And then finding a property manager who, who you'll work with pretty well. And then I, I think what people don't realize, it took me like six, seven years to get up to 11 rental properties. Right? Mm -hmm. This thing is, isn't a get-rich-quick thing, it's a, but it's a, it sure is a get-rich-surely thing. And I love how you mentioned get rich slowly because a lot of people hear, oh, 3,500 units. But the way that type of stuff works is, as mentioned earlier, you get one rental unit a year, you slowly build up, and you have this parabolic growth. And then that's how people end up with 3,500 plus units. It's not like a consistent 200 units for 18 years. And then that's how someone ends up there. It's the initial not having too many units and then building up from there. Right, right. I think one of the biggest mistakes I hear is like some guy, he's like, yeah, I want to own a thousand plus units. And I'm like, dude, what's your net worth, right? Like if your net worth isn't even a quarter million or half a million, you got to start off with a single family home. You got to start small. You got to just build it up that way. And yeah, you hear about all these online programs about buying apartments, but you know, at the end of the day, this is real estate investing. You can only grow your, your net worth by a certain percentage, um, but, but it's very reliable. I think that's why people like real estate. It is, it's a brick and mortar. It, the value is retained. Your capital preservation is there, but the downside is you're not going to make you know, exponential, you know, five X growth in one year. That's just not the yeah. asset class for that. And it's good to know what asset class does what thing. I mean, there are some stocks that you can get that type of growth. There are some stocks that they fall down to zero in a few years. So real estate's definitely a more reliable and consistent play. And it's one that you certainly can build up on. And one of the things that I do want to also cover here, especially with stuff that's going on and past real estate stuff that's happened is leverage. And I'm wondering what advice do you have for people because leverage is such a great tool, but it can also be the thing that really messes people over. So how do we leverage and manage our debt the right way? You know, my advice is take as much leverage as you can so that your cash flow remains conservatively positive. So make sure you buy properties that cash flow and then Take as much leverage as you can so that your monthly payments still clear you in the green. Hmm. Right? So when a pandemic happens or whatnot, you're still in the green. You still hold on to the property. Cash flow is like your oxygen. If you run out of oxygen, you die. It doesn't matter how much property you have. So you want to have just as you want to have a, a supply of oxygen, but also increase that leverage for exactly the reasons you said, right? That's how you grow how you're able to play and buy more properties. And I really think at the end, it just comes down to math. That's what all these investments come down to. And you can take on as much leverage as long as the numbers make sense, as long as you are still getting that positive cash flow. And then over time, you're going to have that 
mortgage get cut down, which is going to increase the value of your property. And then the real estate just keeps building from there. I know Lane has a podcast, one of the top podcasts in investing, which we will be throwing in the show notes. But I'm wondering where else do you want us to go to keep following your work and journey? Yeah, I mean, if you're kind of getting started, um, you know, buying a turnkey rental is something that I did when I first got started. I mean, I think my first seven or eight podcasts are all about buying these turnkey rentals that are all rehab ready to go for you. you know, it's like landlords, um, train, training wheels for landlords. I mean, if you don't know anything, try a turnkey rental, pretty turnkey, like how it says. Um, a lot of times they'll put a tenant in there for you. Um, but you know, that's a great way to get started. I have um, people want to reach out to me online. My website, we have a community of kind of building up your network. And that's how you're going to find a lot of um, providers and property managers. Um, but for a lot of people who are um, accredited investors, you know, maybe you just want to get connected with our investment group and um, jump in with us. So all sorts of ways. My email address is lane at simplepassivecashflow.com. We'll have those links down below as well as Lane's email address so you guys can get in touch with him and ask him additional questions about real estate. Definitely check out his podcast because there's a lot of great content on it. Thank you so much for joining us on this episode of Breakthrough Success. It was a pleasure to have you here today. Thanks for having me, Mark. This episode of the Breakthrough Success Podcast was brought to you by Jobber. Jobber is your business's command center. The easy-to-use app powers your sales, operations, and customer service all in one place. Start a free trial or sign up today to receive 20% off your first six months. Find out more at getjobber.com slash breakthrough.